Welcome to The Creative Shift. My name is Dan Blank, author of the book Be the Gateway and founder of WeGrowMedia.com. Today I want to talk about how writers and artists and creators can thrive in an AI-generated world. So the more that I look at it, the more I'm understanding the many ways that AI or artificial intelligence or large language models, whatever you want to call it, will change the fields of writing and art and other creative fields in really profound ways. So I want to share a few examples of what I've been seeing, but I also want to make this useful for you right away. So if you're a writer or a creator who already felt that it was difficult to thrive with your creative work, I want to share some specific ways that I think you can find success and connection with your audience, even as AI reshapes your field. So let's dig right away into eight different steps. The first is to double down on human connection. And this pertains to the idea of how you share what you create. Instead of focusing first on the content, which could be a website, a video, a status update on social media, an image, is focusing first on meaningful connections with other human beings. Part of that is because I've seen for many years people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, whatever. And they focus solely on the idea of I created a thing and I posted it and then nothing happened. They don't really think about how to engage with other people, the social side of social media. Now with AI, AI is making content creation even easier, even terrifyingly so at times. In a world where that's possible, human connection is the thing that will still be slow, deeply meaningful, and the thing that will last through a myriad of changes and disruptions. I mean, I think about this where like, there are people I'm connected with on Facebook that I haven't seen in person in 40 years, yet I read every one of their status updates, I donate to causes that matter to them, I celebrate occasions in their life with compassion when needed, and it's all because we sat next to each other in third grade. The point I'm making is that human connections last. The second tip is to develop professional relationships. If you are a writer, an illustrator, an artist, a creator of any sort, you should have colleagues. People who do work vaguely similar to what you do. You should have, like a nice way to think about this, is having three people in your life that you can text right now who could relate in some way to what it's like to try to create in a manner that you do. If you don't have those people, I would encourage you to find them because it is difficult to create. It is difficult to share. It can be an inherently isolating thing. Having someone you can text or call when you want to celebrate something or when you want to cry about something or when you have questions or when you just don't want to feel so isolated those three people can be utterly, completely life-changing. They don't need to be your best friends. You don't need to buy them birthday presents. These can be professional colleagues. And especially in times when there's great change, like the change I think AI will bring, it is a powerful thing to come together with other people. Okay, third tip is to develop the craft of communication and trust. How we communicate with other people is how we live. It's how we make up our days. It's how we relate to each other. 
It's also how we feel heard and how we hear other people. This communication is a craft. Too often we think it just naturally happens. And I would encourage you to actively work on developing this craft. And you can consider it in a more strategic manner, too, of what makes people remember you or follow you or pre-order your next book or tell a friend about it. All of this is based on trust. And trust takes time to develop. The sooner that you start that process, the better your life will be. All right, tip number four is to focus on empathy and outreach. So maybe, like a lot of people, you say, well, I don't really have any professional relationships and I don't have access to anyone. You know, I live in a small town and the people, I've I've got a day job and a family and I don't know anyone creative and all this sort of stuff. And I relate to that. I resonate with that. That's fine. Honestly, most of us start there. So I'd encourage you to reach out to people who inspire you. These can be very small moments via email or direct message on social media or a comment online. It can also be bigger. So what do you say? Do you pitch them with your book? No, just start with empathy. Really look at what they share and consider why are they sharing that? What matters to them? What do they want more than anything else? Then just validate that. Show up for it. Recognize it. Let them know that they are heard. I have found that so many people, or for so many people, their biggest dream in life is simply to feel heard. And you have the power to give them that gift. It is an incredible power that you have, and I want to encourage you to use it. It is a very important way of fueling your outreach to other people. All right, tip number five is to share the story behind the story. Now, of course, I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in establishing personal boundaries in what you share. That is the most first important thing. But I do find that a lot of people put that boundary almost arbitrarily at, I'm just going to share about my book, nothing else. Again, I have empathy for that. But I do think that people want to be a part of your journey. They want to understand what drives you because they can relate to that. It can engage them in a myriad of ways. And this is why, like, when we watch, like, the Olympics, they have those really emotional stories of some athlete's journey from childhood and their setbacks and their family on the sidelines. And it, it gets you. It, 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 it puts meaning behind this weird thing that we're doing of competing in an event you might not have heard of before. And suddenly you find yourself rooting for them, not because you know about that sport or even like that sport. It's because now you know about the person and their journey and it resonates with you. I think as AI becomes so much more infused in what we do, the story behind you is that thing that will stand out. The story behind AI is just technology. But your story goes to so many other deeply meaningful places. You should leverage that advantage that you have over AI. Tip number six is to ignore trends and best practices. So many writers and illustrators and artists and creators that I speak with are overwhelmed by the lists of things they're told they have to do. What if you just ignored them? What if you um, 
didn't play it safe. Often we look to those lists. We look to the trends to play it safe. What is the super safe thing I can do that everyone else is already doing? And I know work for somebody once, and this way I won't stand out and no one will notice me because I'm doing what everyone else is doing. Because we eschew risk. We want to avoid risk. And I, again, I resonate with that. But when you're copying a copy of a copy that thousands of other people are doing, can you really expect to feel heard? Can you really expect to be sharing in an authentic manner? What if you instead just leaned into whatever makes you, you? I think that AI has already and will continue to surprise us in an incredible number of ways. What if you surprised us too? All right, tip number seven is you can't make everyone happy, so don't bother trying. I have found that possibilities open up and anxiety is released when you stop trying to please everyone with what you create and how you share. To not measure your success exclusively in how many likes you get online or how many followers um, or how many of anything that you receive. The numbers game is pretty fickle and pretty difficult. Instead, go for a depth. See if you can connect deeply with one person each week or inspire one person or make one person feel seen. As AI scales up, the numbers game is going to become even more complex. Focus instead on quality of connection. Tip number eight, storytelling is a human-focused craft. Embrace it completely. And I don't just mean this in your whatever you create, the fiction, memoir, nonfiction, or art that you create, but in how you share who you are, your experience of this world. How you share that is a part of your life. It's how you share your inspiration. It's the difference between someone saying, oh, I love the music of Prince, versus saying, you know what drives me? Well, let me tell you about this day I had in sixth grade where everything went wrong, wrong with my friends and wrong with my family and wrong at school, where I felt truly alone in the world. But then this song by Prince came on the radio and what happened next is a moment that changed me. Suddenly, you're not just one of millions of people saying, I like Prince. Suddenly, you have engrossed me in a story, a story that's sharing a meaningful thing about your life, but it's probably resonating with me in some way as well. I think about this stuff a lot. Recently, with my six-year-old son, we watched the 1971 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for the first time. And somewhere in the middle of that movie, Willy Wonka quotes the poem Ode um, by, oh gosh, how do I pronounce this? Arthur O'Shaughnessy. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, It's the classic line, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. I don't know the full meaning of the entire poem. And I've read it, you know, a handful of times in my life. And I was rereading it recently and I was drawn to the final lines, which state... You shall teach us your songs, new numbers, and things that we dreamed not before. Yea, in spite of dreamers who slumbers and a singer who sings no more. This is, to me, a powerful reminder that you are the music maker. AI tools will exist and reshape our creative fields, whether you use them or not. But you, you are the storyteller. And... 
I say I think about this a lot because to me, this is what's baked into the work that I do. I work with writers. I work with creators. So I talk a lot about this concept of human-centered marketing, or I've got my whole methodology, the creative success pyramid. It's this idea of not just sharing what we create as a sense of marketing, but infusing the creative process and the sharing process as one. All right, so I want to talk a bit more about what I've been seeing recently with how AI is reshaping the marketplace and fields around writing and art and other creative fields. Um, so the examples that I've been seeing are continuing to kind of blow my mind. So typically, they're examples using a AI writing tool called ChatGPT or an AI image tool called MidJourney, although, of course, there are many, 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 many other tools that people are using and finding powerful examples with. Um, so I saw online that one literary writer that I follow talked about using ChatGPT just to riff on ideas and then do it again and again and again, to take one idea and push it to new places. So here is a literary writer not using AI to write the book or write a scene, but just to explore ideas. That's fascinating. Um, a writer told me recently that they were preparing the description for a conference workshop that she was running. And she used ChatGPT to outline some learning objectives that she should include. Sure enough, it gave her some ideas to include that saved her a lot of time. So here, again, there might not be a single line in that presentation about, you know, that's written by AI. Yet, AI has influenced and improved that presentation and made the process of creating it even easier. Um, I've heard about people using ChatGPT to create interactive stories. So Debbie Ridpath-Oe, who I try to mention a lot, she's just amazing, created this interactive text adventure game. And this is something interesting where I don't think a lot of people under, or everyone understands this yet, where there is something interactive. They call ChatGPT like a chatbot. It's this thing that you go back and forth with. So it's remembering stuff. So you can ask the AI to pretend that it's a person and then ask them to engage in a specific context. So let's just say you're writing historical fiction, maybe about Albert Einstein, and you want to figure out a scene or dialogue. You can have ChatGPT ChatGPT, you know, look at something from Einstein's life where it might just already know every detail of Einstein's published life. And imagine having an interactive conversation with some thing that knows everything there is to know about Einstein and helping you come up with ideas or conversations for your book. That's compelling and people are doing that. There's um, someone I follow on Twitter named Ethan Mollick who shares extensively about AI. Um was talking about using ChatGPT's ability to simulate another person. So you can, you know, what I think he was asking ChatGPT to chat GPT to pretend that they are a successful dentist, then interviewed the AI bot about the challenges that as a dentist it faces on the job. And it was came back with really compelling results. So you can imagine any writer using this with a character in their novel. Do you want to fact check this stuff? Of course, but I can already imagine so many ways that this gives you ideas or gets you unstuck or gives you momentum. 
uh, a writer I know that has decades of experience in the publicity field had ChatGPT write a kind of fake news release for something, and they were blown away by how good it was. Um, and of course, how quickly it was created. That's the other thing where AI is creating these things in mere seconds. It's not like you've got to feed it information and then process it, then do some coding and then wait for it to come back, then get it translated. You give it like a simple prompt and right away it's giving you something. Then you modify it, it makes it better. It's really surprising. Um, another author told me they use ChatGPT to generate a list of topics that should be covered in a book on the theme that they're writing about. And it suggested some topics that she had completely missed, so she added it to her outline. And author Hugh Howie, who has been sharing quite a bit about AI for quite a long time, uh, had a tweet where he was musing that we're not too far, and I think I added the very first part here, but to me it's a little bit implied, that we're not too far away from AI being able to write a script for a film, completely finish production of that film, and release it within a single day. So what this is playing on are some things that are happening and some that are, I think, about to happen, where AI can literally create animation, literally create music. So imagine you fleshing out an idea for a story, 8 a.m., spending a couple hours going back and forth with the chatbot to create a fully fleshed out script that you're happy with, then creating some, you know, uh, animatics or kind of uh, storyboards, creating some characters, telling it to animate these scenes based on the script, telling it what kind of music you want, putting in credits, all within a day. And of course, you can imagine some kind of program that's created within this where you, someone in the future, probably the near future, can say, create 20 hour and a half films about you know animated films, X character doing X on this topic. And and within a couple hours or within an hour, 10 films are created or within a minute. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it will happen in that way. But it's be what we're seeing already happening has made all of this seem completely possible. So what I'm trying to illustrate here is not that AI will write the next best-selling literary fiction novel. It's that AI has the potential to reshape the process of writing in very nuanced ways, and it has the ability or possibility to reshape the marketplace around writing in really profound ways. And in other creative fields, I'm seeing even more compelling examples. So a while back, there was a lot of buzz around this AI-generated song that mimicked the voices of Drake and The Weeknd. And people liked the song. You know, I was watching all these reaction videos where people are saying, this is a great song. I saw other examples that um, YouTuber Rick Beato shared where, uh, I forget the other performer, If it was, I think it was another thing by Drake, and they were looking at reaction, the person reacting to it was saying, Drake, you should, <laughs> you should, you should not be using your current songwriters, use the, the person who created this AI song, because this is better than your other work. Now imagine, you're sitting at home on an evening, and you create 40 quote-unquote, brand new songs in the style of the Beatles, with 100% convincing voices of the Beatles. Is it the Beatles? No. As a fan, might it be fun? Maybe. As a songwriter, could it be useful to you? Yeah, I think so. And of course, I'm continuing to see visual 
visually generated content. So images is watching someone who created these uh, AI generated paper artwork, paper cut artwork on the theme of the Nightmare Before Christmas. And they were basing this off of another existing artist. Although when I looked at that artist's work, it seemed somewhat different to me. Regardless, I'm looking at these saying, wow, would a fan of this movie buy prints of these AI generated art? Yeah, I think so. Is it legal? Is it ethical? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't really know. Because I know that if you go to a, a big comic convention, there are fan-generated work where the originators of the IP, the intellectual property, are not getting re reimbursed. I don't know how any of that works. And if AI can produce millions of these ideas a day, how does it change the marketplace around fan art? I don't know. I'm not making predictions. I'm just seeing what is already happening and thinking not even one or two generations away of what will this mean? I'm seeing images people create around like product photography. Someone shared this image of a, an ice cream sundae completely generated by AI art. And the, the caption they created was, product photography is dead. Now, is that true? Probably not. Can you see a lot of use cases where all these small ice cream shops, one store ice cream shop or a bagel shop now uses this tool that is free and easy to create product shots for their menu or their board. Yeah. And does that save them three days of trying to figure out how to photograph a bagel really well? Or does it cut people out of that equation? Maybe it will. Um, so it's interesting. One of the most fascinating aspects of AI is that it might change the perception we have around creativity. I was looking at the official Midjourney Facebook group and someone shared this line. I have never seen such intelligent and creative people in my life. All the art you are creating is amazing beyond my imagination. And of course, this was meant as an absolute compliment to people. But someone else comment replied back saying, this doesn't require much creativity compared to the original work that Midjourney swipes from. The implication is that if I type in, create this fan art or Nightmare Before Christmas, that AI was looking at reference material, was stealing IP, was borrowing IP from Emperor for Christmas, by the paper cut artist, by other people, real human beings that developed that. So it's interesting how the perception of creativity can change. Now, I think that creators have always dealt with elements of this for some time, um, because you can imagine someone who creates like a, a you know handmade mugs with floral designs, and they over the years develop a business around this, making these beautiful mugs, and they have an Etsy shop, and they earn a living with it. Then one day they walk into a big box store and they see knockoffs, knockoffs that were made very cheaply, and they're for sale at a fraction of the price of what that artist charged. And they say somebody saw my mugs online stole the idea, got a factory to print them, you know, do them, whatever, and the big box store might never have even known this, and now I'm being ripped off. But now AI can possibly take this idea even further. So I was, I was thinking about this, I wanted to run like a little experiment. So there's an artist I've followed for years named Katie Daisy. Um, and I was like, I wonder how, if it's possible to kind of recreate the style of what she's doing in Midjourney. So I just started using some just basic prompts, not using her name at first of, you know, as taking one of her, she has many different styles, but, you know, one of them is 
this illustrative style of like an old kind of farmhouse with flowers, like the size of the farmhouse itself growing out of it and behind it in front of it. Really beautiful. And I was trying to figure out if I can do that. So it's like, you know, farmhouse, illustrative style, you know, oversized flowers coming out of windows, kind of recreating that. And it took a while for me to figure out the different prompts. But then I just put in a more straightforward prompt, which was illustrated flowers on a drawing of an old house in the style of Katie Daisy. Right away, it gave me something vaguely similar. Um, was it perfect? No. Did I spend any time refining it? No. Is it the same as what she created? Nope. Is it ethical? Maybe not. Probably not. I don't know. But it does exist. So it has me considering all these permutations. Um, have you ever read, read a book um, or a kind of story that you can never find a similar story to? Maybe it was the context or the characters or the setting or the time period or the universe or the plot. What if you could have AI generate thousands of stories that are similar because you want to read them? What if AI, because it's that interactive nature of it, like that chatbot that I mentioned, allowed you to immerse yourself in the ideas and characters in that world, kind of co-create it? So it's thinking about this in context. So I thought about um, the 1970 science fiction book, This Perfect Day. And I went to ChatGPT and I put in this prompt. Write a short story in the style of the book, This Perfect Day by Ira Levin. In less than 20 seconds, it gave me a five-paragraph short story that kind of hit all the major beats of This Perfect Day, but all the details were changed. It's funny, because on the one hand, it was both impressive and very unimpressive at the same time, because it was just copying something, it was changing little details. But it happened really quickly, and it got most of those details right. And it made me think, I mean, if I really wanted this, and I spent some time giving better prompts, developing the characters, the context, the storylines, I really could make this something that fit the model of what I wanted, but went to new places. And what if in the future I could save these things, save a character, save a context, save a storyline? So maybe a reader going home every night, they would have a session with the, the chatbot around the story. And they are essentially creating a new chapter that they want to read that night. And day after day, month after month, the story goes to new places and gets better and better and even more unique, more away from the original source material. Is that possible? I definitely think so. Um, and it's a possibility of how writing and reading may change or how art might change. It begs important questions around ownership around art and theft, about reading and writing, and about so much else. But it also illustrates how AI can be a creativity tool, and the lines that we feel so comfortable with around what is creating, what is consuming, are now blurring. I do think that AI is going to change the marketplace around creative work in really big ways. The eight steps I shared here are meant to be meaningful ways that you can not lose sight of what matters to you and feel that you can help navigate the changes of the creative work as we go through this. I've written previously about this on my website, wegrowmedia.com. Um, as always, if you have any feedback, you can reach me at dan at wegrowmedia.com. You can find my newsletter at danblank.substack.com or on my website, wegrowmedia.com and on social media at danblank. Thank you so much for listening until the end.